folks. Pro Wrestling Club is for everyone. And it's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And it is back with a bang. All killer. No filler as we celebrate. What a great time it is to be alive as the Cup of Wrestling continues to runneth over. Wow. Can you feel it? Please hear me out. Can you feel that? Seriously. Feel that. Can you feel that? Feel all of that. What a time to be alive and the Brian Campbell undoubtedly the voice that you hear in this Campbell podcast back with another lethal injection of that one and only performance enhancing audio and back with a short intro because I want to get right into this. I want to celebrate the genre, the art form, if you will, because this week it's at its apex. No, I'm not talking Jetta. But I'm talking everything else around it, brother. And the State of Combat is here to break that down. What do we have? We got a loaded show getting you fired up. Recapping NXT TakeOver Bridgeport 25, whatever you want to call it. Maybe the damn card of the year, by the way. Recapping John Moxley's insane debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Getting ahead of it. Getting you fired up for Dominion this Sunday. Talking a little super showdown in the desert. Because, look, it's part of the genre at the moment. And having another can't-miss audio interview coming your way with WWE champion Kofi Kingston, fresh off that trip to Ghana. Wow, you're going to want to hear this inspiring stuff. Hard not to love that man right there. Speaking of another man, it's your decision whether you love him, but he is my co-host. Let me bring him right in. Say hello to the bad guy. Yes, as long as you're willing to shut the F up and give him his time once in a while. He's got things to say about pro wrestling. He's a sports entertainment fan at birth. His name is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, I like how it's, oh, whether you love him or whether you don't. Meanwhile, after the way you treated me last week, all of our listeners yeah, let's me get into that on, on tweets and DMs saying, Silver King, how do you put up with this guy? Let's well, talk about I'll answer, that. Let me answer the question. I put up with the guy because his name is the one that's on the marquee, not mine. I don't have a choice in the matter. It's it's an abusive relationship, folks. I understand it. But Silver King is here for the long haul. Let me explain some things, okay? Because I came out last week on this show basically saying, I told you so. I told each and every one of you how this would end. I even told the Silver King that the revolution was coming and he didn't want to hear it. And then the tide turned at him and every tweet and every DM was pro SK was basically like, Apologize, you son of a bitch. So you, I underestimated you. You owe me an apology. I underestimated you. This is Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family level of cult manipulation. You put out on this show a presentation of sober wrestling fan who needs to see it before he can believe it. Unemotional. I've said nothing wrong. All I said was it was a good show with a couple bad moments. What's wrong with that? And the people here, BC, get so damn angry and fired up at you that they go, wow, this guy, Adam, is a victim. This guy, BC, is a heel blowhard. What they don't see is the other 23 hours per day when cynical, garbage wrestling fan Adam, who hates everything, including WWE, (laughs) 
is all over the radio waves, all over the Slack channels, hating on everything that's not WWE, hating on everything that's That's within WWE, just straight up hating. No optimism. That is so unfair and false. That is so unfair and false. I represent myself on this show the same exact way I do in Twitter, Slack, anywhere else. People Uh, follow me on Twitter. Listen to me on the show. They don't say, well, Silver King, you didn't say that on Twitter. No, I, I, I am consistent. And what you don't like is my consistency, that I will praise and criticize equally, whether it's WWE, NXT, which let's be honest, there's really no criticism for NXT, uh, or NJPW, or, or, or now AEW. It's the same. Silver King's consistent. You, my it's friend, very hedgy, go bro. Up and, you go up and down with the waves of emotion. You let it take you, and the Silver King suffers because of it. I take the brunt of... Being a uh, what's a passionate yet reasonable wrestling fan, I'm going to read you a DM slide. I actually got wow. my DMs. My wow. DMs are open to very few people. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that? An email? And I'm not going to say who it is. Oh, uh, but no, no, will... no, nothing face to face. You got to no, bring it here. No, you, no I, I mean, what is this? Anonymous he... hour? Nothing face to face. Nothing face to face. That's how men do. Men say he names. He didn't want me to, but it's someone who follows both of us, longtime listener of the show, someone we know very, very well. He says, between All right, us, hold on. Long-time listener, first-time yeah. coward. Go ahead. Between us, I sympathize with you on AEW. You take really nuanced positions, and I don't think folks are always listening to what you say. No, sir. Folks do listen to what I say. There's one man who doesn't. His is the name who's on the marquee, and his is the Brian Campbell. I will just say to the, the Wyatt family. Did I get an apology cult? or no from last week? Well, no, because you have turned our listeners into Daniel Bryan in a full Wyatt <laughs> jumpsuit. We're like they're like, oh my god, this this reasonable man is getting bullied by this passionate indie wrestling fan I got bullied last who week. thinks his bed sheets are the best smelling ones of all time. Here's the deal, folks. Adam hates everything. He gives nothing a chance that isn't produced by true. Vince McMahon himself. So I stand up for the revolution and what's coming. I was ahead of the game and I saw it. I'm sorry. I'm very horowitzing myself. Adam, I apologize that I presented on this show you as a victim. Okay. When this is a war. no, no, you bullied me. You didn't this present is a me as war. Anything. I am a victim. Okay. I am a victim. This is a war. Anyway, let's take the L because we sound ridiculous. Let's move on with the show. But before we do, guys, five star review season. All right. We're sweating. We're bleeding on the air. We're hard weighing ourselves orally. Wait, that didn't come out right. We are giving it to you. Why don't you give it back on the other end? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Napster. MySpace, Tinder. I think we're J-Date. up. J Date. Yeah. I think we're up on Christian Mingle. Wherever you can find this Farmers, audio, we're on FarmersOnly.com. We just untapped. We just yeah. I need you to give me a five or, or give me a one star review. Tell me I'm a big bully, but I'll show you the DMs from the Silver King, and you'll see the truth one day. Anyway, Adam, no, do, uh, listen. Don't listen to him. No one star reviews. That brings our average down. You can give us the five star, but tell Brian he's an a hole. I want the truth. So. I'll take That's the fine. bad reviews for the truth. All right. I am a truth sayer. Anyway, Adam, I want to break down a incredible week of wrestling. It's like this week was the dichotomy of where we are as, as wrestling fans. It's like everything around WWE proper is on friggin' fire. And WWE proper not only can't get out of their way, they've got their units stuck in the sand. And it's just unbelievable. But we got to hear a word first from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. 
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. Silver King, take control of this show. I got so much to say. Well, it's funny, BC, because you missed somehow in your intro the main topic of conversation that we need to have today. And the way we go there is by entering the main event. This is the main event. If you're going to try to say that I missed, uh, what, 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 did I, what did I miss? I talked about NXT TakeOver, Mox. I didn't, I, hear, about I didn't hear NXT take over. Yeah, the well, intro. you are on your phone during the intro. I was, it's no, no surprise, I Adam. Phone, I go on my phone because I need something to distract me for five minutes while you ramble on and on with these endless intros. And if you did mention it, then Silver King's wrong there. Very rare for Silver King. By the way, let me remove the fourth wall. People think we joke around, we fool around. No, this marriage is on the rocks. The Red and Black Wolfpack <laughs> Attack podcast is in the works. Adam, I don't know. Maybe you're going to grab Jacko. Maybe Jack Crosby's your new uh, Smiley Happy People WWE Proper podcast, which is coming out soon. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> there's no one There's no one watching WWE who's smiley and happy right now, as our listeners will understand as we get into the show. But besides that... Let's talk about what we are happy about, BC, and that is NXT TakeOver 25. And honestly, the word that I have, deliver. It delivered at the beginning, it delivered at the, in the main event, and it delivered match by match throughout that entire show. And people online, they can compare TakeOver 25 to Double or Nothing. I don't think there's any reason to do that other than to say, yeah, it was significantly better. Um, but wait, 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 whoa, 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 hold on. Truth be okay, told, I want to stop you right here. Get off the idea that we can't or shouldn't compare. We should compare everything in wrestling. So let's compare the two. NXT TakeOver 25 is your card of the year. The fact that they only do five matches brilliantly and then do the five, like kick a foot, a mud stomp hole in your feel spot. That actually gives them an advantage. There's no holes. It's all killer, no filler. NXT TakeOver 25 in Bridgeport was the best wrestling card of 2019 so far. I'm comparing everything. Significantly better than Double or Nothing? No. That's a, that's a Silver King-ish. Let me throw in a couple jabs here, but let me present myself as a victim to the audience. Not significantly better. But the damn best of the year, thank you, and Paul, we trust. Yes, keep going. It, it blew it out of the water. Uh, I'm just being honest. If you want comparisons, I'll give it to you. Final three matches, we've talked about it, in my opinion. Double or nothing are fantastic, right? Main event was good. Like, I'm not I'm not crapping on Kenny Omega Jericho. It was a, it was a damn good match. It's actually great. But it, it was a damn good match. But what made that event was the non-wrestling moment. It was John Moxley debuting at the end. It was that everything, really, Adam. What made that event was Dustin bleeding the, all over. Okay, that it was everything. It was everything. That put the capper on a good show. This good show was hot, damn fire from start to finish. The matches were incredible. I thought the worst match on the show was like a four star match between Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze, and that was the worst. And I and, use wor- worse in quotes. It wasn't it, bad. And anyway, it's crazy. That's my favorite match on the show. I'm not telling you star wise, it's That's better insane. than any of the others. 
I was more emotionally invested in Dream Breeze. I loved that match so damn much. I felt it. Feel that? I felt it in my bones. I felt it in the bone. But to close, and I don't want to talk about AEW this entire episode, to be honest with you. I want to talk about Moxley in Japan. But the last thing I'm going to say about that, this is what you do. This is what you do. You want to be the one who comes out and see here and go, yeah, well, Double or Nothing was good, but this was great. Adam, are you really going to just close on this topic? We'll put last week in the rearview mirror, and you're going to tell me that AEW's debut card, Double or Nothing, which had the wrestling world flipped upside down, was a good card. You're going to it just was a, It was a 7 out of 10 card. I think that's... Praise. Wow. See, we get to this point, Adam. What do you think it was out of 10? If you disagree with that, what do you think it was out of 10? 8.8. That's insane. Well, then what was this? This was, was this was the card of the year, so it's basically like a nine point eight. It's basically like like oh man, these they were not that close. I think se- I think calling something seven seven out of ten See, is I, saying I, it is it's weird. Very good. It's weird. I very did get good. a lot of hate from people who were like, "You're bullying Adam." They don't get the real dynamics here. But what I didn't get was a lot of "You're wrong about the revolution." I didn't get that. But there was a handful of just I mean hardcore WWE fans. Who like I don't get it, but they actually prefer what we see on Monday and Tuesday nights, Adam. Yeah, I don't know to don't like know to NXT and to All or Nothing. So like those people, I just like they're the outlier. I just throw their opinion out. But I just don't understand how you could watch that show. I'm not saying you have to say the revolution is real. I'm not saying you have to say anything. But just that show in a bubble, and you're like that yeah, was good. I I don't get how you don't. I think the issue is criticizing me for seven, saying it's a seven out of ten when that is praising the show. I just and, and don't that's a know show how you can't taste Jimmy I've said, Jimmy I've said multiple times now, I thought the first two-thirds were like a shrug. Like I, I didn't think they were anything special. So in my opinion, the final three matches and the Moxley reveal made that a 7 out of 10 show. That is praise. That's positive. So people hear me say that, and then they hear you criticize that, and it's like he's not listening. Because the like, people it, are really – That's what they're, they're saying. They're, li- they're listening and they hear you go lukewarm crap on things all year and then they're waiting for a moment like that where they hit a grand slam. It not, not perfection, not 10 out of 10, but they hit a frigging grand slam and they want you to say, yes, BC, you were right. They did it. They, they achieved – Per, like they, no, they what they fulfilled want, Brian, what they could have, and then you do the silver king. You go, you know what? I mean, it was good, Brian. I'm not saying it, it sucked, but you know, wasn't really my thing. And that's fine, Adam. I can. I didn't say dude, that. Though. I live Again, in New England. What they hate, what what, the, what and I'm speaking for listeners now. What they hate is you putting words in my mouth. I never said it's not my thing, or it's that it's not not my thing, or anything of that sort. What I said was, I thought the last three matches were great. The rest of the card, it was a shrug. I didn't really care. It didn't do much for me. I still praised the entire show. I still praised the parts that I thought were great. But they think that you – and they don't think it. It's true. I have to be all in or not. No, you and just I'm have not to in the moments when they – three great matches. You got to see the truth in the big moments when it matters. It, look, but that's why they saw all different kinds of beer. Okay. I live in the beer capital of the world, New England. I'm drinking uh, 100 out of 100 on the beer advocate sale, I, double IPAs with the citrus feel. Some people are still buying uh, Yingling. Our buddy Jack Crosby is. Yeah, Jack, that, Jack drinks Yingling. There are yeah. other people in the world not who good. taste Jimmy differently. I guess that's why you and I uh, work in this spot because we're so – damn different i don't get it but but we're not but we're not you try to that's the thing you're trying to create a difference when there's not it's you saying something is you having that double ipa and saying this is the best beer i've ever had and me drinking it and saying wow this is a great beer it's just not the best of yeah you're right you're 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 right it's me it's me drinking treehouse brewery in massachusetts and being like this julius actually changed my life and you drink it and go you know i've had i've had ones like this it's fine anyway we got to move on here what 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 didn't suck what didn't 
bring us apart was NXT TakeOver 25. It was the card of the year. And this is where Tripp's brilliance is so on display. I mentioned the five-match setup. There's no room for it to suck because right. it's not everybody gets to be on the card. There's no battle royals. I know there was a four-team ladder match, but it, by the way, delivered. Um, there, it was literally like everybody was there to steal the show. And if you watch that presentation in that tiny Bridgeport hockey, minor league hockey and college basketball, University of Fairfield Arena, uh, they turned it all black. You couldn't even see a face in that crowd. And it was all minimal decoration and Titantron and all that. And it was about the steak. It was, let's put the meat on the grill and let, let's let anybody in the restaurant talk or go on their phones. Let's just watch this steak sizzle. Let's watch it go from from rare and bloody to perfection. And by the way, uh, bloody steak is near perfection. I will say that. I mean, if you don't if you don't have some red on on that meat, I mean, don't got to be me. at least at least a center, at least a center. All right. All right um, I'm with you. Look, I, I did love Takeover Chicago. I loved Takeover New Orleans. Right. But this card, I'm not necessarily comparing it to that, those, but it was perfect. It, it was almost, what more could you ask for out of a wrestling show than two and a half to three hot hours of professional wrestling and storytelling? And that's what we got. And it started with that Matt Riddle, Roderick Strong match that you and I agree because we talked about it offline. It could have main evented in terms of quality. And had they given it twice as long or another 10 to 15 minutes, would have been so good that the rest of the show would have really struggled to compare. No, you, because you nailed it. It was, it was ultimately the opening match. And you have to respect that they didn't have it go too long because had they, energy would have been taken out of the building for the ladder match. And then you're comparing that match to the main event. And some people did like it more than the main event. Not me. Um, but it was so damn good. And you know what? It, it made Matt Riddle a megastar in a way that even Velveteen Dream did not. That's a That was a bigger named match because fans love Dream so much. But Roderick Strong is such a good professional wrestler that he made Matt Riddle look like he could main event WrestleMania tomorrow. You know those people like we're, – we're Sean guys in the Great Brit and Sean debate. And just – I know – for the record, uh, to say for the record, I was not banging Sonny. But the people that are Brett believers that will live and die with him, that will intercept a fan from trying to spear him at a Hall of Fame ceremony, those people will lean on the fact, and it certainly came up recently in that uh, Tom McGee situation when the, when the, they found that match and they showed you how he turned McGee into a Hulk Hogan as superstar. It's how Brett can make people. And trying to say Roderick Strong is a great wrestler is not a new theory. He's amazing when he was in Ring yeah. of Honor. There was already people saying he's top five in the world. But you saw on full display, and I like that point you made, he made him even more than Dream ever could have, meaning made, made Riddle look like a freaking star in a Bret Hart style of just simplicity and brilliance. Not crazy flashiness, not trash talking, just going in there and being such an insanely great technician. You know why that match ruled? Because it accomplished all these things at once. It put over Riddle as a as a bust him out, breakthrough, ready for superstardom. It put over subtly why Roddy is one of the unsung heroes of this sport. It kicked off the card perfectly, and then at the end, when that finish happened, and I watched the show in the last 24 hours, so I knew ahead of time which matches ruled and what people liked from you know just going through Twitter and whatever. There was that moment when that match ended, and it ended abruptly for me because I'm like, as you said, they could have gone another 15 minutes, and this may have been a match of the year contender. It had Absolutely. that proper build. It was amazing. And one final thing on a macro level about why Trips is so brilliant. 
the debate we have had over the past year, especially in 2018, when NXT went from being the secret thing that we loved, like that really great independent beer that'll never be on your shelf, but man, if you ever show up in the backwoods of Massachusetts, you got to try that one day, to being the best thing going in wrestling, through that transformation, the constant argument was, we could have this on the main roster. It, it doesn't have to be about merch sales and titantrons and camera angles. If you put real wrestling and make it the forefront on Friday night on Fox, I guarantee you if you did this experiment, you would in the long run get as many people die hard into your product as you would by having Braun Strowman sell 57 t-shirts. And by the way, I'm wearing one right now that I just opened up <laughs> out of the package for the first time. Was that a $4? It's was a, that a $4, $4 WWE monster shop? in the bank one. I don't even like Braun, but I'm like, I'll buy this shirt for $4. By the $4. way, every time we bring up t-shirts, I have to, in case someone from WWE is listening, get rid of the six ninety nine shipping. You're costing yourselves yes. customers and sales. It's terrible. There's like get one day a year where they do free shipping, and that's when you have to buy everything. But anyway. They, but none of the stuff's on sale, so you have to get a clearance shirt with the free shipping just yes. to get any value whatsoever. Absolutely. So I think if I ever was going to make that argument, Adam, that if Trips really got the book, if Vince had a whatever, whatever you want to say, you want to go death, you can go death if you want. If Trips took oh. over full creative control tomorrow and made Monday and Tuesday and pay-per-views look like Saturday night looked, I think Saturday is the best argument you could have because that was as simple an NXT card as we've ever seen from a presentation look, and he let the artists in there. They brought back Tyler freaking Breeze, who I love and been telling you on this show forever. He ain't a Genetti. He can do anything those other guys can. Trips has created a system similar to UFC about 10 years ago, where the brand power in UFC meant they could put any fighter in there, and these guys would fight to the death, and the pay-per-views would sell, and people would go wild. The system Trips has created gets the absolute best out of every person who gets the privilege of being on a takeover card. You could grab anybody. You grab me no way, Jose. You put him on a takeover card in a match that matters. He's going to show you what he has. Saturday was almost the peak of the profession, Adam. And it's, again, bittersweet that Vince doesn't know that, that he doesn't care about that. Because turn all the lights down and put this on Monday and Friday nights and people will come back in droves. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm crazy. Convince me otherwise, Adam. I'm not going to say you're wrong because I love it as much as you do, but you and I aren't every wrestling fan. And I don't think there's ever going to be a scenario where WWE main roster, even if Trips has the book and full creative control, I don't think there's ever going to be a scenario where WWE Raw and SmackDown look like NXT on a show-by-show, match-by-match, segment-by-segment basis. But they can have significant elements of NXT. They can have match quality, improved storytelling. You're not going to – maybe the, the light of the crowd coming back down and focusing more on the action. But that doesn't mean you're going to get away from some of the comedy skits and some of the, the kid-friendly stuff. It's still five hours of television weekly, and you can't just have high-quality matches and ad not adult meaning rated R, but – um serious storylines every single time you have to have a mix the difference is the nxt crew and it's it is triple h but it's also his writers his producers the directors the entire environment that they have they are of one mind and they're of a mind that is moving this product into new heights every single time we get a show a, a takeover and every single t tv taping period they don't just deal with long-term storylines well 
They deal with emergencies well. Ch uh, Tommaso Ciampa getting injured. Alistair Black tearing his sack. And they still somehow provide us. <laughs> How am I not going to laugh at that? Seriously, keep going. it's funny. That's why, that's why I say it that way on purpose. Uh, they still provide us with good storylines and incredible wrestling. WWE won't be it, but they can be 50% of it. And 50% of NXT, plus the stuff we actually do like from the main roster, is damn good. But I actually hate that argument. And I get what you're saying because I know. Not it's every, too big of a company, Some man. people are only into the 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 pageantry and the flash and that's yes. fine but i don't even like the 50 percent argument because what trips is doing there is he's competing with the rest of the world this is really the first time the last three or four years that the rest of the world is better than wwe really it's better than wwe proper it is i wouldn't say the rest of the world but there are multiple other promotions so he's competing he's keeping up with that and exceeding that most times and it just sucks that it's happening on the JV streaming level, that it can't happen front and center. Because, Adam, you see the median age of WWE fans. They do that study a lot. And what's the median age? Like 54 or something? Ridiculous. 54. Yeah. That makes no sense. Guess what? Those people, not even 54 and over. Guess what those people 37 and over grew up with? The same presentation that we see on NXT. We were there for uh, Jim Crockett Productions in the 80s. We were there for that gritty wrestling. It's wrestling, Adam. The only person that wanted to be sports entertainment, the only person that wanted to make movies was Vince. The whole business didn't evolve to that. It's still about the damn wrestling. Well, I don't know, man. He, <laughs> you say the only one who wanted that was Vince, but I mean, it had, the, it had its most successful period ever. Three, four times the business they're doing now, not in terms of dollar amounts, but in terms of gate and interest and ratings, with Vince McMahon in charge doing what he wanted and catering to fans' appetites. The problem is WWE proper, and I don't know why we're right in the middle of this conversation during NXT, but WWE proper became so, once they went public, became so concerned with their PG rating and getting these high-level sponsors that they could not get. Let's not forget, Attitude Era, their sponsor was Stacker 3, Okay. Now their sponsors are Snickers. Like Snickers is their main WrestleMania sponsor these days. So there's a, there's a vast difference between the, the people and the sponsors and the money. It's a different type of money WWE is going after today. AEW is going after that old WWE money. Their main sponsor is Cracker Barrel. And I'm not saying Cracker Barrel's a, a dirty company or anything akin to Stacker 3, but it's not as mainstream as let's say a TGI Fridays, right? Or, and I don't, I don't mean mainstream, but like, you see Fridays, you see Chili sponsoring these big things. You don't really see Cracker Barrel sponsoring stuff, right? They're the main AEW sponsor. So you have to remember that no matter what Triple H would do, if he gets the book and gets creative control of WWE, and we're speculating something that, dude, isn't happening. Just It's not happening anytime soon, at least in my opinion. Whenever that does happen, it's going to be – it's going to start incremental. You're not going to see big changes at once. And eventually, like I said, I think it will get 40 50%. And when you see that, you're going to say, damn, this is a great product. I'm in. Because WWE is so bad right now that a 40% change would be world-changing for them. And I get talking about Trips taking over the book is implying Vince's death because even Mox said on the Jericho podcast, he's only given up that wheel when he dies. And I know that's dark and we don't want to go there. Do you know what also is dark and we don't want to go there? Implying that a marriage would ever break up or should break up. But have you ever thought about this idea? And I akin trips to Darth Vader last week for a reason. Because deep inside, he knows what's good. Imagine if they were ever on the rocks relationally. Not asking for this, not trying to make this happen, but let's imagine 
Trips found some old tapes of Randy Savage and and uh, and Steph <laughs> when she was a teen. Okay, nothing face to face, but other things, things to things, tip to tip. You know what I'm going with there. Just for a second. By um, the way, just just for our legal protection, allegedly and and highly debunked. But continue. Imagine if <laughs> that happened. Trips decommunicated from the family. Trips is like, you know what, guys? All along, you missed out on where I was trying to take this company. That makes me sick in my stomach. Every time I look at you guys, it makes me sick to think what you did to me, holding me back. Holding me back and trips. And look, the, the fantasy can go in any direction you want. Trips goes to AEW and says, let's do it. Trips starts up his own Triple H wrestling company, whatever. And he took NXT style and the NXT names and he brought that to the forefront. He could take WWE down, Adam. Okay, sure. In that alternate reality, yes, maybe he could one day. And that's also assuming AEW fails. All right, back, back to this card. He wouldn't be able to do that. Let's get back to NXT. We've got so much to talk about. Um, that match was incredible. Let's move down this card. The tag team championship match for the vacant titles, that ladder match, I'm not going to tell you it was as good as the North American championship match at, at New Orleans when Ricochet made his debut and Adam Cole won. And holy cow, that was the best ladder match I've ever seen. But Brian... We've seen TLC matches in WWE at the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and these guys. We've seen the Razor Sean ladder matches and all these other ones. This compares. Like, this was as good, if not better, than most of those. I, I freaking loved it. Here's why it was. And here you're right. You nailed it. Here's why it was different than, look, even WWE proper ladder matches. They're fun, but they're very... Inside the box. Yeah, well, they're very systematic. They're very, we've seen this package of spots before. We'll do one new one at the end, and you'll pop, and Kalisto will do a Salida Del Sol off the ladder. And by the way, the one he did on the Usos was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. This one was different because there was a reckless nature to the spots. I love The best part about ladder matches to me is when a spot happens and things don't go as planned and a ladder bounces backwards at an awkward angle and catches somebody on the side of the head. And it's there was like 10 of these sort of reckless, ridiculous spots. And you know what, Adam? In a ladder match, you should have mayhem. People are pushing each other off ladders. They're doing insane things. I thought the daredevil nature... It wasn't ECW level, but it had a had a feel of that sort of like, oh, my God, somebody's going to get hurt. And then you had athletes like Montez Ford willing to just go for it and be like, this is my moment. You will know my name after this card. And you had nobodies like the aptly titled Forgotten Sons who have no fat Wesley Blake has no business doing like topes and stuff. <laughs> into like, And everyone just collectively selling out. I think it was the sort of reckless nature to this that I was like, man, I can't fast forward through this. I need to watch every spot. And in the end, they won me over and the right team went over the team we didn't think would. Only Jacko on the show last week was was going for that angle. It happened. I'm very happy. This ain't Kofi. We're going to talk to Kofi later, but this was a great moment. It was awesome. Um, it, it More than, I mean, and this, don't forget, this is coming right after Money in the Bank, which had a very good women's ladder match and a great men's ladder match. Finn Balor and Andrade in that match alone were incredible. This was more akin to me to that, wasn't there like an AOP DIY NXT Tag Team Championship ladder match. Insanity was involved somehow. Yeah, there were tables. I don't know if there was ladders. There was. It was like a no. There rules. were ladders. Maybe it wasn't a ladder match, but it was an Extreme Rules match or, or or something like that. This reminded me of that more than anything else. But dude, like you know, we say this, and I don't say it insulting. Like Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Like I don't. I understand why fans like them. I don't particularly care. They showed out in a major way in this match. Um, 
you know, Kyle O'Reilly took bumps and Mauro Ronaldo's call. Oh my God, they killed Kyle, you know, reminiscent of, of South Park. Like amazing, right? Uh, and you're right. Even the Forgotten Sons, I had no desire to see them in this match. And yeah, in my opinion, look, Jackson Riker's a beast, but that spot in the middle like slowed down the entire match for me and probably took a half star, maybe a half uh, a quarter star off of the the total grade if, we're, if we were going to do yeah. that. But it did slow it down. Um, but still, somehow that match delivered completely, and they gave us a finish. Incredible camera work as well with Angelo Dawkins with that spear under the ladder and Montez Ford with the leapfrog onto it with the shocked face. I forget if it was Wesley Blake or the other guy. Um, and the celebration afterwards in the into the crowd on top of the ladder, it felt like it meant something to the champions. Just like at Money in the Bank, it felt like it meant something to Bailey, and that has you buy into the emotion of the story Definitely. even more. Them going in the crowd and celebrating was great. I even like the live shot of Steph in the crowd, by the way. I like that, that she watched the show from the crowd and Britt Baker over her shoulder yeah. there. That was actually pretty cool. That's funny. Um, you mentioned Moral. Moral was great on this night. There were He just was off the chain on this night. He was giving yep. me Cruiserweight Classic Moral flashbacks. <laughs> In fact, after watching this ladder match, I paused it, went back, and re- was reading all these like blogs people wrote after the Cruiserweight Classic where they're ranking their favorite matches in order. Adam, I I want to go back and deep dive that entire tournament again. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but no, I, I don't want to get off the Morrow topic. No, get on um, the CWC topic. Let's let's still let's do it. That's the best thing that ever happened Mar- in WWE ever, ever. Mar- I'm gonna I want to stay on Morrow. Morrow Ronaldo is the best play-by-play man in professional wrestling today. Number one, number two, I think he's my favorite since Jim Ross in his prime, and that is as high comparison as I can possibly give. He makes these shows. Everyone feel like WrestleMania and it's, and every, and he makes every match, no matter how, not that there some have worse storytelling than others, but some you care about more than others. I cared much more about Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano than I did Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze. I, even I love Velveteen Dream. He made Dream Breeze feel like it was the main event of the show. And there's little nuances tomorrow. Um, if you, I think it was TakeOver New York, which was Percy Watson's last one, where he like was coaching him with his hands during the show, telling him when to come in, when to come out. There was a moment in this show where Beth Phoenix was going to talk over dueling chants in the crowd. And there's a camera angle of Moro, and it was on the live broadcast. You see him reach out to Beth Phoenix and just touch her on the arm and say, stop, don't talk right now, basically. She shuts up. The crowd chants overwhelm the broadcast. He takes his hand off of her, and she continues talking. Yeah. It is mastery watching this guy do his job. And we praise him all the time because you and I both love him. You have a little bit more of a personal relationship with him than I do, certainly. Um, but we never really get the opportunity to give him credit when he's not on our show. And I wanted to give him credit because top to bottom, that might have been his best call in in NXT history from the beginning of the show to the end. Yeah, he, he had a great show. I, I almost liked his work at the TakeOver uh, WrestleMania weekend a little bit better, but he was off the charts in this one again. And uh, by the way, Beth Phoenix is not working. And I know, like, it's early. I completely but disagree. She was interrupted a lot. Like, I just don't need it. I don't, I don't, like, uh, give me Nigel and her. And it's not a women thing. I know I was harsh on Renee because Renee's in the wrong role. There's women yeah. that can do this job. She's not the right one. And yeah, I'm still sore about Edge screwing us that time when we had him on the podcast and he hung I, up on I, us. I got to be honest. I think Beth did a fine job. I don't think she's great, but she just, she's done like one taping and one takeover. So someone's going to grow into the role. She's better already than Renee is. And that's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on Renee. It's just Beth Phoenix 
today is better at that job than Renee is. Uh, yeah, Period. but Renee's awful. But that's that's just the way it is. But I'm saying already though, she's had one taping and one pay per view. Renee's been doing this for a year. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. Um, let's also move on to this NXT North American Championship. Velveteen Dream, Tyler Breeze. You know, as I said, I prefaced the show. I prefaced this segment. I loved the match. I thought it was the worst match on the card, and that's not to hate on it. You loved it even more than I did somehow. Tell me why you loved this so much. You know, part of it is certainly my investment in Tyler Breeze and the idea that I have been the one harping, as have you, but I mean, I've been day one-ish on the idea of let's bring out non-used WWE roster guys down and let them be stars. And he was one of my favorite NXT characters of all time. And they started with that video montage that hit you right in the feel spot. It showed his rise and fall. It showed that one week that Vince gave him a run on the main roster when he had <laughs> some array by his side. And then he just fell apart. And yeah, he did good comedic work, whatever, with Fandango. But it fell apart. To see him come back in a mature veteran role and to see him and Dream, who have very similar characters, Adam, that freaking... Video montage got you so damn fired up. Dream saying, no, 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 Tyler, you're the uh, great value version of of, of Velveteen Dream. I mean, that, like lines like that made you pop. I thought the chemistry they had together. And again, it wasn't really booked to be a five-star match. It wasn't a five-star match. It wasn't as good technically as the other matches. Storyline-wise, though, the fact that they're two similar characters with kind of a has-been-ish guy coming back to try to reclaim against the new version of himself and the chemistry. I loved not just their physical chemistry, but their kind of like character chemistry. I was enthralled by it. I love it. Velveteen Dream is everything we ever said he was and more mm-hmm. and want him to be. I was so into that match. It got booked the way it should have, but they actually made me believe Breeze was going to win on two separate occasions. If that's the worst match on the card, then good God, this is your card of 2019. I mean, come on. Yeah. Saturday was perfection. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it was worst because that's the adjective. It's not actually reminiscent. It, it's not It's not a true representation of what the match was. The match was damn good. Um, I, the right guy went over, as you said. I'm not necessarily going to repeat your points. I will say that there are some wrestlers and there's some gimmicks that just aren't main roster ready or main roster worthy. And his was one of them, and yeah, you can yeah, disagree yeah. with that. I will. You could think I will. you can think that better booking would have like screwed. if Triple H had the book that he, it would have worked. And yep. maybe you're right, yep. but he doesn't have the book. And right now Vince McMahon has the book, and guys like him uh, just aren't going to really work there because you need to have a ability and a charisma that ex- one or at least one or the other that extends past your gimmick. And he doesn't. He's very good. He's not great. And the main roster right now. If you actually want to get over, you have to be so good that you overcome Vince McMahon's booking. Otherwise, he's going to see the failures not as his booking, but as you. All right, if and I don't think Tyler final, Breeze is great enough to do that. If your final harsh but fair criticism on Breeze is that he has warning track power in every category and that's what holds him back, I can't necessarily say that's wrong. I did love the guy, but I think he came into the main roster at a time where they already had a had a uh, Dolph Ziggler. You know what I'm saying? Like they already had a couple of guys who kind of fit that category right away. Vince was like, all right, we'll just make him a comedy guy. And that's the main roster problem. If you, if you're not Vince's shiny toy, the moment you become a comedy guy, let's roll on. Absolutely. Uh, We had that NXT women's championship, Shannon Baszler uh, against Io Shirai and Baszler won again via submission and fans. Like, I don't think I don't, I don't want to necessarily say fans got worked, but fans are almost treating Baszler occasionally like she's Lesnar where it's like, she can't lose. They won't book her to lose. Where I think they're almost missing the point of NXT and Triple H 
booking her as a absolutely dominant female so that when she does lose, it actually matters. And this was one of the rare instances where I thought the loser of this match got over more than the victor. Because at that when that match ended and we saw, really for the first time, we've seen glimpses of what Io Shirai can do. And many believe she's the best female wrestler in the world. For me, it's Asuka. But she's up there and she's great. We got glimpses previously on NXT TV, previous takeovers of what she can do. We saw full out why people feel that way about Io Shirai in this match. She is incredible. She's fluid. Her movements are great. She's athletic. Good facial expressions. She speaks English well, even though that doesn't really matter for the match itself. Um, But what I loved so much about this, BC, is they developed her character more during that match and after that match than they had in like the prior two months that she's been on NXT. They used the roster, the, the match, I'm sorry, they used the match as a storytelling device to give her an edge that I'm expecting she will come through with at their next takeover or at an ensuing opportunity where she gets to face Baszler again. I thought that match was Baszler's best match on the main roster. I thought it was Io Shirai's best match on the main roster. And it's one of the best, if not the best women's match I've seen in NXT since Asuka went to the main roster. Hmm, that, that's pretty bold. Um, I love the match a lot. It was really was the perfect crossroads of two drastically different styles. And I think everything you said about Shirai was perfect, and she raised Shayna's game. She got the best version. She basically took Shayna's style, which has its limitations, but can do it, yeah. and elevated her to the best possible version of that style. And it was great. Interesting to put it in that pantheon. And, and we'd seen a couple matches post-Asuka that blew us away. I mean, Ember Moon's last couple were like, wow, I didn't know she had that in her. Um that's interesting. That's interesting. Here's why. It brought up it brought out so much in Baszler where previously it's like, man, Baszler's really limited. Like she doesn't really run the rope, she doesn't do this and this. Meanwhile, Baszler's out on the outside of the ring taking bumps for Shirai, like moonsault bumps and everything. In the ring she's matching her from a mat wrestling and a a back and forth style that we haven't really seen. And even with Kyrie Sane, I liked that match with Baszler. But there's limitations to Kyrie's size as well. Sure, you don't really yeah. ever believe she's going to measure up to her. And the only way you think she's going to win is the way she did win the title with reversing the uh, Kirafuda clutch into a pinning combination and just getting lo- almost getting lucky. I the love best way the finish. I thought it was abrupt in the right the finish way. finish was great. Where I, I, I thought it was going to be Shirai going over. They got me. And then, come on, put her to sleep. It shows her fight. It put her over incredibly. And that quasi heel turn, Adam, touched me right in the field spot like i was you know i i I was (laughs) here for that if you will heel turn not a heel turn gave her an edge quasi quasi heel turn painted the edge on the end of it put a little she got got pissed she got pissed put a little dark cloud on the on the silver king lining it was perfect it was oh yeah man maybe red cloud it was awesome that match that match is my point is it's better than it has already gotten credit for yes and if you don't believe it watch it again because you'll feel that way after you watch it. But the main event of the show, Brian, <laughs> Johnny Gargano against Adam Cole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this. I'm going to ask you a quick question. You can give me a yes or no. Is Johnny Gargano the best in-ring wrestler in the world? Right yeah, now? this is the right conversation. I got a couple of DMs, of course, about this. This is the right turn of phrase, you know, where, direction we need to go because – Good God, everything he touches. It already was everything he touches turns to gold. It already was, man, this is the perfect system for his style. Like, look, Allen Iverson's style, for Allen Iverson to make the NBA Finals, 
You yeah. actually needed that weird 2001 team around him yeah. where everyone's playing defense and setting picks for him. No one's getting a shot off, and you just get out of the way and let him do his thing. In some ways, Adam, NXT system is so perfect in that same regard for whatever Johnny's limitations are. And this is what's crazy about him, Adam. He really is the equivalent of five foot nothing when you look at him. Doesn't even do, like, isn't even adept at certain high flying natural things that every guy stereotypically has to have. He's actually kind of just a mat wrestler. Doesn't really have like amazing natural charisma, but he's one of those, some of the parts, Daniel Bryan S type guys that you just put it all together and has no right making matches this good one after another after another and we talked in the preview last week how do you freaking top that match that Dave Meltzer said was the greatest match in WWE history at Mania Takeover and that I said was I mean if I'm going to give something if I'm ever going to put a match close to the pantheon of the Omega Akata in terms of everything that they did in terms of every way they touched you, storytelling, crazy moves, everything. That match, their first one. Wow, I'm fired up right now. Their first one, last time, Adam, was that match. That was it. That was perfect. Like, in arena experience, even though we had crappy seats, that was everything. Worst seats ever. This match did not beat that. But in 32 minutes, Gargano again dealt you a royal flush. Like, again. I don't know what is going on here, but Adam... In the same way, every time I watch Will Ospreay wrestle, and this morning I watched Will Ospreay wrestle in the main event of that New Japan Best of Super Juniors, every time I watch him, I go, you know what? I got to recalibrate my best wrestler in the world rankings because Ospreay is no worse than four or five right now. I think Argano's in that six. I mean, what I'm, what I'm talking about, the club I'm talking about is Omega, Okada, Naito, Abushi. You're talking about in-ring wrestling. No, I'm talking about best wrestlers in the world. Everything. Oh, well, hold on, hold on, then, hold on, then, because we just discussed like two weeks ago, and I made a good case, and we also talked about it offline that Daniel Bryan in 2019 is the best wrestler okay. in the world because it's in-ring and on the mic and character and everything. And you cannot tell me that in at least in 2019 because we haven't really seen Kenny Omega and Okada is basically in another world. I don't mean that because he's in Japan. I mean that because like he's. Not not that he's not relevant anymore, but he's less relevant because he doesn't have that American counterpart, even though he's facing – we'll talk about that later. Look, sometimes it's um, preference, Adam. I, I could tell you that – My point the, is we, you can't throw Daniel Bryan out of that well, hold on. we just hold talked on about him second. being the best wrestler. Hold on a second, okay? It's, it's, it could be the same equivalent of me being like, you know what? Double IPAs are a little too bitter for me. Give me a single IPA with this certain strand and this fruity after flavor, and I got it. And you going, no, bro, double IPA or nothing. It could be that divide and debate. I get what you're saying. Brian, I'm just, Daniel I'm Bryan's just saying great. we just talked about it. That's I'm all. saying this group of six – which you didn't even let me finish the names. When I once I got to four, you cut me well, you off. Had four Japanese said, guys on top. I'm not saying they're not great, but like okay. Just to me, the, guy the best wrestlers in the world are Omega, Naito, Akado, Abushi. Actually, Abushi too. But Osprey's in that mix. AJ's on the end of that mix. Daniel Bryan's on the end of that mix. And now Johnny Gargano is in that mix. Adam and this year and a half of what he has put together, like. He has no business being this good. It really like he's not he's not that good. Yet the what yes, he puts he out is great. It is this it's unreal. It's like it's almost like Derek Jeter. You're like, well, he's pretty good, but then he just kind of puts the whole package together and you're like, it's one of the greatest baseball players I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's it's that old adage. And let's not be get it twisted either. He's been in the ring where we're praising him with Andrade Cien Almas. 
Alistair Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong, and now back-to-back Adam Cole. And that wasn't in order. That's just a lot of people he's faced in the last couple of years. So let's not, like, I love him, and I'm giving him a lot of praise, and I'm the one that proposed that question to you. But let's not forget that he's also wrestling some of the other best wrestlers in the world. Like, we almost forget how good Andrade is because we don't see him as frequently and we don't see him to the level that we know he can get to on the main roster like he was. That Andrade-Gargano match, I thought was the best match in NXT history. And that was like less than a year ago. And now all of a sudden we have this happening. So look, that match was incredible. You said it wasn't as good as their TakeOver New York match. I guess I'm inclined to agree with you, um, ultimately. But there are ways in which it was better. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Because watching that match at TakeOver New York, it got at the end, you and I have had this debate, you disagree with me. The amount of false finishes, it was like one or two too many. The fact that it was a three-fall match, the first two falls, you knew that there was always going to be a third. So the intensity of the first and second fall almost took away from the match. It took it longer to get going because you know you knew there were setups to come before you got to the finish. In this match, you didn't know when the finish was going to come because it's one fall. So the intensity and the might of these two guys going back and forth inside and out of the ring, they started the match by dodging each other's maneuvers because they knew each other so well. Later in the match, they got to the point where they were hitting the same maneuvers simultaneously with the super kicks, both in the ring and out of the ring. There were times where they were going for the same maneuvers at the same time, and they both had to pull back and stop themselves because otherwise it you know, wouldn't have worked for either of them. There was so much going on in this match. This match never would have been as good, obviously, without the first one. But this match would have stood on its own as yeah, it- one of the greatest matches in WWE history. And I got to tell you, I don't remember what we gave that other one. Maybe it was five and a half stars. We did, five and a half. If this isn't equal to that, it's 5.25. I mean, it's splitting hairs. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I it's, it's in that match four, liking it almost as much. It's in the 4.75 to 5.25 range. Depends on really what you like. It had a certain fluidity in the, in the, in the exchange of moves. The chain wrestling, the the quickness, the back and forth that was special. In God, they, they this is art. I mean, this is everything. This is everything that we want. It's it's near. It's if it's not perfection, it's near perfection. Gargano, he has to Adam, and and again, look. And there's going to be people that say, Campbell, how can you have four or five? How can your first five guys be Japan? Well, that's what that's what I prefer. I prefer the in ring style. Yes, Daniel Bryan styles. Some people like Rollins, Andrade. You can have whoever you want in your top six or seven. But in that elite group of best in the world. If Gargano's not in there, you're not doing it right. All right. Oh, I, I just think there's a differentiation. That's all I was saying. Well, look, like, and even anyone between, that says between in-ring workers and overall wrestlers. Well, even all. anyone that says uh, some of these Japan guys can't talk or don't talk, they do certain things that almost equal that out in my mind. They're they're it's more serious in Japan. So the way they present themselves, the way they walk the aisle, the way they do these quick little like it's just it's part of the package, and that's the package, if you will, that gets me off. Okay, we don't get you off; you get us off. Is that- that's what I'm saying. By the way, what is Ric Flair doing on Instagram with these videos? Uh, yeah, not, I don't not know. just Shawn Michaels. Then did you see that three part one where he went after his old manager? Like, yeah, and the, even the Shawn Michaels thing. I mean, we're not in his life, obviously, but it was confusing to me because, like, I thought Michaels' criticisms of him were fair and things that he would have said to Rick's face. Well, you know, and it was I mean, only, 
I think I know what happened, and I don't have inside info, but I, I'm going to get the picture that Michaels did not wasn't there for Rick in the most recent health scare, did not call, did not reach out, did not show up, because in those videos, he harped on how JR was there for him, Hogan was there for him, all these people, even people that had said harsh things were there for him now, so that must have created a callus in his heart but he's in like this weird old guy bitter mode which all of our like parents eventually get to when they yeah, reach but, grandparent age but no that's fair it's just like you don't know the scenario like like what if he just felt it wasn't his place to be calling during this serious time and i don't know i mean he retired him and and that means something and I, yeah he did criticize criticize him in the 30 for 30 but you would think that flair would understand that because sean went through those same demons or not the same but similar demons so it was just very confusing, and honestly, I didn't like it because I don't think those two should be mad at each other. There shouldn't be tension there, especially with Rick and his health problems and, and who knows, you know, knock on wood, but who knows how, how much longer we have with him. Those two should not be at odds. And with Triple H as that guy who really spans both of their lives and careers, I really hope it's not for long. But let's move on. We talked about something that, as Rick would say, gets us off. Well, let's my, let's go ahead and talk about something that doesn't. Um, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. I know you don't want to spend Wait, too much time on it. Wait, you better not be talking about anything but John Moxley and NJPW right now. Okay, I am. I am talking about Brock Lesnar. No, no, I, I can't. Have, I can't be negative today. I can't. Do we it. have we have things to discuss. This is what I'm going to ask you. Look, we have this card that's coming up: Blood Money in the Sand three. I hate we're it. Not, we're not going to give you a full preview of it. There are some bullet points to discuss, and we can go through them quickly. But the main one I want to ask you about BC is we have now had Brock Lesnar on, I forget if it's two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row on WWE TV, and they are clearly using Brock Lesnar as an attempt to grab ratings. I want to know, do you in any way agree with what they're doing with Lesnar, with no. the Money in the Bank briefcase? Do you enjoy it at any level, or are you of the mindset that I had coming out of Money in the Bank, which was anyone but someone like him? And it's just, it, it's... It's fulfilling all of your fears. What happened last week, last week, sucked and ruined everything. Yet, if you were still of the mindset that I don't care about the faulty psychology and some of that, I just love Brock with a boombox doing a Brock part. Even if you're just in that I pop for this type of moment, you still could have pulled off and said, look, let's wait to see what happens. I just love Brock dancing around and being a jerk. Adam, what happened this week? on Monday Night Raw is an insult to wrestling yep. fans. It's an insult to Brock Lesnar's character. And this is what Heyman should be saying backstage to Vince. Screw you! Screw you and your family! Uh, we already had to deal with ridiculous psychology of Brock not knowing how the, the briefcase works. But now WWE says that Brock has to announce who he's going to cash in on, which makes no sense. Brock's no a sense. heel. But then he doesn't, and then Steph puts out that absurdly weird and awful video from WWE headquarters saying Brock Lesnar has, uh, you know, turned Whatever on. was disrespected Disrespected. Or something like, that. The yeah. like, it made no sense, and you're like, really, we're going to turn the authority against Brock? And then on Raw, to act like that never happened and come out and have Brock do the most pointless and insulting thing to his character which is destroy Seth Rollins. And it was a great beatdown. He left Seth Rollins was, bleeding yeah. in his back. I mean, it was great. It was, it was almost prime second half of career Brock beatdown type of stuff. And then not cash in. Heal Brock, <laughs> who's supposedly smarter than all of us because he only has to work five minutes every other month for WWE, is going to go, no, I'm not going to cash in right now, which is the purpose of this briefcase to get back my championship. I'm going to wait till I get on that 20-hour plane ride to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, 
where we do this discrimination show, and then I'm going to attempt to cash in on you in front of all these, I don't know what we call them, sultans that are in the front row sitting on leather couches not looking at the ring? Stop, WWE. Adam, there are enough social reasons not to watch Jeddah on not to watch the Saudi showdown on Friday to just say F you WWE. And if you stand on that side, and by the way, you probably should in 2019, that's fine. But if you say, I don't care about politics or social change, I just want good wrestling. That Brock scene on Monday night was enough for you to go F this. I don't care yeah. about the Saudi showdown. I'm not watching it. I'm not talking about it. This is stupid. This is everything that sucks about Vince McMahon main roster booking. Adam, that's the most insulting, stupid, ass-backwards thing that has happened in a long, 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 long-ass time. I do not want to talk about this anymore. You have 30 seconds to, to wrap it up. No, you, you nailed it. Uh, the word You took, actually stole the word from me. It was insulting. It was insulting to me as a wrestling fan that anyone with this briefcase, which he now, last week, Maybe he doesn't know that you can cash in at any time. Again, horrible storytelling, horrible storyline that this guy with Paul Heyman as, ma as his manager wouldn't know that. But let's say he didn't, and then he walked backstage, and then he's like, Paul, you, I could have done that then. I, I could have done that at least would have been, made sense. But it makes no sense for someone as dastardly as him, someone as much as an a-hole as Brock Lesnar's character is supposed to be, to beat the absolute hell out of Seth Rollins and then not take the title. I mean, my expectation was he was going to take the title there. They were going to go to Jeddah, and then Rollins was going to pin Corbin and win it back. And at least if they did that, it would have made sense. This makes no sense. And if they have Brock take the Universal title back in Jeddah, like, heaven help WWE. Because Vince McMahon, again, it will be another example of him thinking something is the problem when it actually isn't. If he thinks Seth Rollins being the champion is the problem and that Brock as champion is what put their ratings up and, and having him on TV all the time is what helps them do bigger business, he's wrong. The reason ratings have been up was because The Undertaker was on the show and because they had less competition this week. Stanley Cup is not the NBA playoffs. All right, that's the end. We can't do it anymore. Um, we got to go. Right. We got to move couple, on. Wait, a couple more things here. Do you care at all about Goldberg Undertaker? Yes or no? No, I don't at all. I don't need Goldberg in a white beard. I don't need this crap. This is If you wanted to do this at SummerSlam as like the fifth most important match or at Mania, I could get into it. But it's sort of like we know why this is happening. Shawn Michaels never should have come back. We right. never should have had a 150-man Royal Rumble. We should not have a 50-man Battle Royal. This stuff should not be televised. It should not happen within the WWE stratosphere. This sucks. It's Patrick Ewing in a Magic jersey posting up against Akeem Olajuwon in a Raptors jersey. I hate everything about it. Get it out of there. People are DMing me going, isn't he going to hurt Taker? Goldberg's not a safe worker. He spears the crap out of people. I don't care. I'm not watching it on Friday. The only, the only thing I'm going to say is their promos on Raw and SmackDown respectively, they weren't necessarily good, but they showed how bad promos in WWE are today because they were actually able to speak for themselves and cut good promos. Like, they were at least entertaining in those spots, despite Goldberg looking like he's aged 15 years since the last time we saw him, which, by the way, wasn't too long ago. Um, Triple H, Randy Orton, I think we can agree, probably. The segment in the ring, know, the, the, the insult was funny. It was great. Who cares? Actually, it was great, to be honest with you. That's that. But who, but who cares other than that? They were shooting, and it was fresh, and it was like, that's where wrestling should go. Shoot more. 
off the cuff? Because I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like he just said that. I feel like Randy just shot it. Yes, and even he if did. he didn't, a fake shoot still makes me pop. So that's great. A work shoot. Keep it going. Well, I got to talk about the, about Think something. about the two times we loved it, though. We loved that, and we loved when Batista was on that 2000 SmackDown, and he just took the mic and started talking, and it yeah. felt like a shoot, and he started cutting promos on uh, Triple H and Randy, and then it led to a match at WrestleMania led that we this. cared about. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Do you know what I don't want, WWE? I don't want you to continue ruin Alistair Black by making him do these 1992-1993 uh promos that make no sense. Guys, it's okay to have a satanic tattooed kickboxer who's just a badass. No, he can't be a face, but even if you want him to, it's okay. Adam, every day this is getting worse. Every day he's Are you there. serious? Oh, I'm I'm shocked actually. Alistair, like this is getting a million percent worse every day, Alistair Black. No, nobody will come and fight me. Stop it. Go in the ring and dude, fight, I, dude. Stop I like it. Pro- I got to be honest. I like the promos. They're different. Are you kidding me, Adam? No. No, I like them. Straight up like them. Yep. I, I, of all the times in my life, of all the times in my life that I've argued with you for show, for fun, for serious, for death, that might be. That is one of the worst things that you've ever said on this podcast. Just so you know. But my no, point was as a bridge to tell you. They one-upped it this week. They're like, who else can we ruin by having him talk? Oh, this damn ogre who looks like he'll turn Shrek. <laughs> Lars Sullivan. Oh, you know what we should do? Let's let him talk. Would you ever ask a nightingale why they sing their sweet song? What the hell is going on here? Why don't you just put the lotion <laughs> in the basket already? What the hell is that, Adam? Oh, wait. Why is this happening? This is so freaking (laughs) stupid. Did you hear the last thing he said? I'm going to play this once and never again on this show. (laughs) Three blind mice. Watch how they run. Watch how they're caught. Watch how their tails are ripped apart Ah. with my bare hands Ah. and a beautiful portrait is painted with their bodily fluids. Adam, speaking of bodily fluids, I pissed all over the TV screen. Get out of here, (laughs) Lars. Get out. By the way, this is one night after Lars got punked by the Lucha house party. They hit a triple drop kick on them and he backed down. Look, I have I'm right basically with everything I've ever said on this show, but I have never been more correct ever than when I said that Lars Sullivan would flame out and fail like this massively. Yeah, like on this? the main roster. This is that was one of the worst things I have ever seen on WWE television. It made no sense that he would speak. He's a freak and a monster. You don't need him to. They just are running out of ways to get this guy on TV without having him be in anything real. And no one wants to see him in anything like this or anything real. I don't want to see Laura Sullivan go over Apollo Crews, let alone Lucha House Party, let alone someone maybe like Ricochet or Cesaro. I don't want him on my television. He's not a good character. He's not a good wrestler. People joke five-star Lars from NXT. He was in some five-star matches. It wasn't because of him. Don't go too far. He is a good wrestler. He can't speak on the mic. They never should have called him up. He shouldn't even be in the damn company. Shame on them. All right. Well, you missed a couple points. He can wrestle. If they use him as a proper uh, monster, it would work. But you know how we always say, let's let people actually be themselves and you'll make a superstar? 
You know what would be a better way to present Lars? Who he is, this big racist. Why don't you just have him go out there and do like a Colonel De Beers 2019 version and just start calling people the guy? I mean, that's a better presentation than him doing nursery rhymes. Anyway, tell me I can talk about Dean Ambrose now. Please, let's do oh, it. We're, we're moving on to it, but look, we, we've got to cover all the bases. Listen, hey, folks, FYI, in case you didn't know, NJPW Dominion 6.9, you know the company's second biggest show of the year, is Sunday. And it's not that Brian and I have really neglected talking about it. It's that NJPW has neglected promoting it. It basically, until today, had three matches announced five days out from the show. And then on their Best of Super Junior show, which went down Wednesday morning here in the United States, we had the debut of Jonathan Moxley in a United States Championship match against Juice Robinson. And BC, they put Mox over in his first ever NJPW match without any build whatsoever. I know you love the match, and I know you're going to talk about that, but I want to know what you think about that booking decision as well. Um, yeah, I think only one thing about that booking decision. <laughs> and you know what I think? So that means you proved me right. Take anyone from WWE, anyone, and unleash them on the indies or the NJPW product and let them be the best they can be. If they have the real talent inside of them, Adam, they can be something they never would have been allowed to in WWE. This, if Mox's walkout on Double or Nothing when he stole the show and made that card what it was, put the cherry on top and made it a special night in the history of the business. That's one thing, though. This was his first match. This was his first presentation of John Moxley, just, you know, angry former Dean Ambrose coming out there. Adam, this was great booking. Not only was it great booking, not only did it just put its all the limbs inside your feel hole and tease you that maybe, just maybe, this guy's going to be in the G1. And maybe, just maybe, I'm going to have to care and wake up again at 3 in the morning and start doing that summer dance and go for it. Because, Adam, this was everything I wanted. Everything I want out of wrestling was this presentation of John Moxley and this match against Juice Robinson. It was a classic. It may not be a five-star in your living room or the style other people want. For me, here it is. Here's Big C's big quote that he likes to say. This is how I want my wrestling. This is how I want my steak cooked. I had, let's say, low expectations for this. I figured it would be a good match. I figured Mox would be cool. I didn't think he'd come out in the tight shorts and the knee pads and come out doing Stan Hansen 1990s Japan-style wrestling where they're brawling through the crowd, they're pushing people over, that he starts the match giving Juice double middle finger, and it was one of the better presentations of brawl-style wrestling that kept me on the edge of my seat and cooking that I've seen in a long-ass time. Juice shaved the dreads. Juice came in with the new look. Did you see Adam? Did you see Dino target that hard way over, over Juice's eye in the beginning of the match? Right on camera, short elbows, little hammer punches over and over and over again until he broke him open. Hard way style. Everything about this match was Jim Crockett Promotions. It was UWF 1987 Jim Watts. It was what we love about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Adam, it was serious fighting. And you know what? Maybe this is the difference between people. Maybe it's not a lot of our listeners thing. I don't know. But for me, this was the drug. The needle is still clanging out of my veins, just hanging there, just flapping in the wind right now, Adam. This is what I need. This was fighting. It was serious. They swore like crazy during the match. There were so many of those little moments that just ruled. And Mox's new finisher, 
which is the same thing as his new nickname. What do they call him? The Death Rider. His new spiked DVD, DVD, DDT finisher, double arm, where he goes head first and juice flips out of it at the end, is money. Mox is money. I need him. I didn't think, Adam, that Dean Ambrose changing stripes would be this good. He's approaching my favorite wrestler right now, Status. I need him in my life, Adam. That match, tell me what you thought about it. To me, wasn't New Japan high flyer style. Wasn't let's try to break your neck style. It was a damn brawl, and it was perfect. Yeah, it was a great match. Brawl is actually the right word for it. That's why it wasn't a classic. I don't I, I don't consider a match like that a classic. I think you're being very hyperbolic. You were at the beginning, not at the end. Um, it was great. The Moxley character, the way he's presenting himself, his maneuvers, it shows you that, yes, there was something there to unleash that was being caged in WWE, and it's great to see that from him. But I, I, I called you hyperbolic, Brian, because what you said was, anyone, take anyone out of WWE. No, Brian, this guy is special. Well, yeah, this is the right I, I guy. I put a kicker on there. I said, if talk, they no, have it said, in them. You said take anyone out of WWE. And what did I say after that? I said, give them the opportunity if to they have they it want, in them. They will get a chance to show it. That's what I said. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, Jonathan Good is special. It's the right guy at the right time for the right organizations, both being AEW and New Japan Wrestling, that this works. If if he was Ambrose and still in WWE and this was Rusev, you would not be losing your shit in any near the same way. He has the mic skills, he has the in-ring ability, and he has the aggressiveness and the adult-natured character that you and I as wrestling fans like and care about. It's very crazy that WWE, and I I hate always comparing everyone to Steve Austin. When Becky did her turn into the man, she's the female Steve Austin. You know, WWE didn't know they had this in in her the entire time. I didn't really agree with that. I don't think Becky is Steve Austin. Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, more importantly, and more specifically, is the new age Steve Austin. He's the guy that has those uh, DTA, IDGAF attitude that comes across on the mic and comes across in the ring. And he showed that in his first opportunity, just like Austin, all black, different. He was more MMA style, obviously, but he had that same look, the same demeanor, the middle fingers. The fact that WWE had this under its nose, and you, and you know that when this guy came back, he's like, hey, this is what I want to come back as. I want to do be more aggressive. Or you know he's pitched this during his time in WWE that this John Moxley character he wanted to be. And he never would have been the rated R version. But maybe he could have been a TV PG slash TV 14 version of this guy in WWE. And it would have worked. It definitely would have. Because fans would have loved it. But they would never, ever have given, it, given him this opportunity. And it's great to you see him succeed. But again... It's this guy. You just it's made my point. this time. And, and by the way, you missed that line that I put on it, which was basically, if they have it inside them, it will come out and they can be stars. But yes, he's, he's special. But here's he's the point. This is an indictment on WWE because there are many, there are many guys in that locker room who have it, Adam. You named Rusev. Rusev has it. He could do like a this. lot more. Not like this. Okay, not, like not this. a Steve Austin type, but actually, even though he has Steve Austin elements, and you're right, and he's kind of doing, in terms of, in terms of his cockiness, a Steve Austin thing, I like what Mox has said in his interview sense, where he's doing more of a 
Bruce Willis and Die Hard type thing. He's doing more of an action movie type thing. He's not in jeans. He's not in a wife beater. He didn't do that stupid thing where he goes in the ropes and comes back out and hits a lariat. He went out there with middle fingers, spitting, swearing, and fighting. Yeah, I guess it did feel a little Austin-esque. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 it really, it really did. DTA, brother, don't trust anybody. And by the I way, can- we all love Austin, but when are we all going to come forward and admit that he stole like, great parts of his gimmick from the Sandman during his time in ECW with the beer and with all that? I mean, in the middle fingers I mean, and the smoking. I don't, uh, the beer, yes, but Sandman was like bashing it on his head and bleeding. Austin's was celebratory. I'm it just was saying, really different. we've all sampled from each other. Ambrose is great. There are a lot of Ambroses in that rock room in WWE, and I hope TJP personally gets to show you that. By the there way, there are a lot of there are a lot of great wrestlers, and there's a lot of great talkers. There's very few that are both, and that's the key. It's not just that. Also, like I said, right guy at the right time. That's why it's so important. They needed a guy that would leave WWE and crap all over. Maybe a guy like Rusev is great in the ring, as an example, but maybe he's not going to go and cut the same kind of shoot interviews that. John Moxley did, yeah. and he's not going to go and have the same type of brawl matches that John Moxley did. Maybe he's just more of an in-ring guy who doesn't talk the same way. John Moxley, this character, Jonathan Good, as a person, is the right person you at the that. right time. You got it. But you know why it was great? It's because a year ago we would have these debates on here. We're like, man, you know, during the G1, we'd be like, if you could take people from WWE and just just put them in the G1, just get to see them go their, you know, all out. Right. I always pick right. Ziggler as the guy I want to see do that level. Great matches every day. Be whoever you want in the microphone. Man, I never would have guessed Ambrose could turn it up this high. Like, I, like you know, again, I wasn't a big Dean guy. You weren't a big Dean guy during his run. He was who he was. He was okay. Man, he's great here figuring out who he actually can be. Adam, I need him in the G1. Well, I need well to be fair, I don't think you and I had the exposure to him in CZW that a lot of independent wrestling fans did because this is even I think it's an even more extreme version not so much the death match yeah but you can't even compare that though no no but what I'm saying is we didn't know that this was really part of him where I think other people may have so maybe they felt like hey this was always possible we didn't really know we have a lot of show left just quickly I want to close out on this NJPW Dominion there's really two main matches on this hold on one second you're going too fast here you're the, the one G- with the flight, not me. I'm, G- si- I'm sitting I know, in the office. I you, know. You want to talk Brock in briefcases. I want to talk about what matters here. I want to talk about Dean in the G1. Dino, baby, in the G1. Does it? Do they need that? Does Harold Mage and NJPW, which their day one of the G1 is what? In like two weeks or something? Or a week or whatever? A it's a month. It's or a July. month. Sorry. A month in Dallas. Do they need Jonathan Good here to, to really pop this tournament at a time when you and I have been very honest on this show, we said, well, look, with the launch of AEW, with everything going on in NXT, we don't have the time anymore for NJPW to be great. Yet I went back to NJPW today, Adam, and good God, it was the drug I needed. So NJPW is one of those things that we can not it, – it doesn't have to always be part of your life, but when it is, it makes your life better. It's the, when, when it's at its – like NJ, uh, NXT is more consistently great – but when when NJPW is out of ten, man, there's nothing. There's nothing yeah, like it. So great. is so, he going to be there? Should he be there? Will he well, be there? He doesn't have a lot of summer bookings. AEW doesn't start weekly till the fall. Will we see Johnny be good in the G1, Adam? Will you answer my damn question? Well, you have to give me time to answer it. Uh, I think that because they're in Dallas, they're opening in the United States. He should be for that reason. But it's also weird to say like, well, he should be there. But then he has a month of matches where he then needs to spend multiple weeks away from his wife in Japan. Um, I think he probably should be. I think they need him to be because they don't have Omega and they don't have some of these other guys that would normally 
be there uh, to help them kind of promote it and get interest because the truth is, and this is what I was talking about with Dominion, they haven't promoted their product well to the United States since the elite has gone away. I've talked about this previously on this show. Uh, Being the elite did more to promote NGPW in the United States than NGPW did. And all of those guys leaving has really taken American eyes off of that product. So I think, yeah, by having John Moxley in the G1, that would help. And having him at Dominion possibly as well. I don't know if they've announced a, a match or anything with him yet. My assumption is he's going to stay over there and do it. Um, they need him. I think it's a need more than a, a want. But I just don't know if that's – if he feels like, hey, I just signed this contract with AEW. And AEW feels like, well, we just signed this guy to a contract. Why don't you go – bust your butt for 30 days and possibly get hurt before our TV show debuts. And he also already has that match with Joey Janela set, I think for fighter fest, which is I believe in July in Daytona beach. Right. So if that's happening, how does that work with his schedule? It would be, by the way, if he's heading into a fall feud with Omega, which obviously double or nothing teased that heavily, it would be great to see him get the business and the experience of this style again with the Okada's Naito's potentially Abushis of the world. Oh, God, I'd pop for this. All right. Uh, by the way, Osprey this morning, st- turn off it now if you didn't watch it. Osprey won the best of Super Juniors tournament, and good Lord, he looked like a top five best wrestler in the world. He's got a new haircut. He will be there, Dominion, on Sunday fighting for that title. Adam, can Osprey go to AEW and become a worldwide star? I, I, I Listen, I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's maybe the best high flyer in the world. I just don't care about him. I never have. It's it's not an indication of him not being good. I just he doesn't make me care about him. Wow. I don't I, I don't know why. I love Kota Ibushi. I love all these guys. Kushida now in WWE. I liked him a lot. Um, I I just don't care about Osprey. I don't know why. Dude, I, I the can't daredevil nature of him that he's going to cripple himself. Like it. I'm sorry. It spices up the matches. It makes him incredible. Maybe maybe to, to me watch. it's just like too much. I, I don't know. I just, I honestly, I can't get into him. It's just me. I'm just being honest. Uh, but listen, real quick, this Dominion card, I want to just quickly talk about it. There's two massive, massive matches that they have not promoted at all. The main event, Kaz Okada against Chris Jericho. They haven't even run a storyline. Jericho basically just showed up on camera one day and was like, I'm challenging you, Okada, for the title. And they're main eventing the show. Then you have Abushi Naito, and there is more storyline there with the Intercontinental Championship. Um, and we saw their match at G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, my first time at the Garden. It was awesome. Maybe the best match I've ever seen live in person. But, well, okay, not counting NXT, sorry. Best non-NXT match I've ever seen live in person. But do you like, care about this? And I should. Um, I will agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. They have not done a great job to get our attention. Double or nothing got our attention I forgot, like you did, that this was even this week. So that's a massive fail, and it goes all to the system you said about BTE was our sort of gateway drug to know what's going on over there. Do I care about it? Not coming in, because that's their fault. But I don't see how a Kaz Okada-Chris Jericho match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is going to fail us at all. And I want to see if Jericho can force Kaz to fight a more... Uh, Kaz, Kazu, whatever you want to call him, uh, Okada, our buddy Okada, to fight a more brawlish 48-year-old Chris Jericho style and see if they can pull off something incredibly entertaining. 
He made Kenny do that, and I thought it was gold. This is going to be interesting. Storyline-wise, I really want to see where it goes, too. They're not crazy enough to put the belt on Jericho, right? I can't imagine. What's, what's the purpose of doing that? By the way, we talk about Jericho adding all these little wrinkles to his resume where you're like, could he actually be a top 10 all-time now what he's doing with AEW, what he's doing at 48? Could you imagine if he added IWGP heavyweight champion? It almost feels like like, like Jericho, when he left WWE and he explained why he went to NJPW, he basically said, in NJPW and now in AEW, I'm going to be treated like the main event. And it's something that Vince McMahon saw was past me at this point. Like he, his match with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania was supposed to be for the WWE title. Yes. And it ended up being for the United States Championship. So that was kind of his like that plus them not allowing NXT guys on his stupid cruise thing. Um, that was like his catalyst for going out and doing all of this, right? But – just because he's in the main event and should be because he is a main event draw. So I have no issue with him being in the match. It doesn't mean he should be winning the NJPW IWGP title, I should have said, or the first AEW world champion, although I do think he will get that. So it's almost like, yes, you do deserve to be here, but you're going to criticize Brock for getting pushed and winning the money in the bank because of his age. Dude, you're almost 50. Like, that that's very hypocritical, and yeah, I'm, I love it. Jericho. But he's but, but Jericho's true. bringing it. This he's bringing it. This ain't Taker and Goldberg. You know, he's bringing it. Well, I'll take that back. I, I'm not here to disrespect Goldberg. Goldberg did what he had to do in that Lesnar feud. By the way, he did great in that Lesnar great. feud. Great. I, I'm not here to disrespect Goldberg in that regard. And by the way, he did look like a million bucks on Tuesday night, um, outside of the white beard. And I don't know why they didn't do the. The, the sparklers can we, we because they don't do pyro on non-pay-per-view God, how, how does goldberg walk out and ever not have that come on it's crazy it's anyway crazy. um okada jericho i can't see jericho winning i would pop if they made the story make sense this is going to be interesting adam moving forward the guys who are going to do aew and njpw will njpw agree in order to keep that business relationship strong because by the way njpw should they kind of need the Omegas of the world to be willing to come to them for Wrestle Kingdom and be willing to do this, will they be willing to interject storylines in the same way that ROH was for NJPW to keep the overall story of these feuds going? I think they should, Adam. Well, that's not the thing. I mean, they have a partner in Ring of Honor, and they've they've reaffirmed that partnership. They are not partnering, partnering with AEW. This is not a partnership. This is a clause in Jericho's contract and in Moxley's contract that is allowing them to fight in NJPW. I don't know if it's always or if it's from now through October. I'm not sure. There hasn't been a lot of clarity on that. But there's a clause in their contracts for this. So there is no relationship there. There are issues apparently, and I don't know them very from a very detailed perspective. There's, there's some issues with the Mexican relationships with the AAA that AEW has, and I think NJPW is with CMLL. There's an issue there. They're still you know, with ROH for the United States. They're not partnering with AEW now or anytime soon. So I think everyone needs to kind of get along without it. And I'm, for me, I am more curious to see what AEW does without having that support, without having an Okada, without having a Naito. If they can succeed on their own and then add an NJPW and do a cross promotion eventually when their deal or their yes. agreement with Ring of Honor runs its course – then I'm excited for it. Right, I want to see them succeed on their own. You say I never, uh, you know, I never put down the wrestling that I love, which is so false. Here's going to be a potential fail for AEW and NJPW. If you act like the things that happen within your promotion 
are only happening within your promotion. So what I mean is when Jericho goes on NJPW, and let's say he did that as AEW champion, or let's say he did that coming off of a thriller against somebody in AEW, if you act like that's not happening, do you know what I mean? And you act like the only thing that matters is what's happening in NJPW, I think there's a way to not insult the fan without putting over the other company completely and being like, don't forget to tune into AEW on Tuesday nights. I think there's a way to do that. If they act like it's separate, it'll be weird. I won't like it. Thank you. Let's move on. Obushi Naito rematch there for the uh, Intercontinental Championship at the co-main. It's going to be Thunder. It's going to be everything we want out of it. Uh, do you care about Ishii against uh, Taichi for the uh, Never Open Way? Because I sure don't. No, that's why I didn't mention it. All right. But that Dragon Lee Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to change your life, Adam. If you let it. If you allow it to. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I just, I, I just listen. There's guys you like. There's guys you don't. Let's be honest, Brian. You were not a Kofi Kingston guy. I was a huge Kofi Kingston guy. You're maybe coming around a little bit more than you ever have. The man, Kofi Kingston. Silver yes. King was always in that camp the entire time. The man, Kofi Kingston. Good segue. We got him, and we got him right now. What a time to be Kofi Kingston. What a time to have a podcast interviewing Kofi Kingston, fresh off his trip to Ghana, in the midst of historic, I don't know, maybe historic is the right word. If it's not historic, this is a special WWE championship reign because, because of all the circumstances involved. This is one that we'll look back on. And, and say, remember that. That was special. We're in the midst of it. You're going to hear from the champion now. Kofi Kingston coming at you, brother. No trouble. Just paradise. Enjoy. Kofi Kingston in the house. The WWE champion. The face of SmackDown Live Tuesday nights on the USA Network. And this Friday, Kofi going to de- defend that strap in Jetta Super Showdown against Dolph Ziggler. 2 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Thank you for joining us, man. Tell me it's simple as this. How has life changed since you climbed that mountain? It's a, it's a very uh, complicated answer. I don't think there's anything simple about it, but it's just gotten infinitely busier. Uh, and, I, and I say that, and I mean it in the best way possible, being able to, you know, have, I've, I've had a lot more interviews, a lot more uh, appearances, uh, but most importantly, I've been able to reach a lot more people uh, just having gotten back from Ghana, I was able to go back to my homeland and um, just be there for four days, going around and meeting people and, you know, shaking hands and letting them know that anything is possible. Being able to go out and inspire, you know, being that I was in the same shoes as them. Um, and here I am now, you know, uh, having achieved my wildest dreams. So um, I now, um, you know, not that I didn't want to do this before, but I feel like I have more of a responsibility now, especially as champion, to be able to go out and inspire people to be their best selves, you know, to go out and reach for their, their dreams, um, their wildest dreams, no matter how crazy they may seem. I want, it to be, uh, I want to be living tangible proof that anything is possible and be a source of motivation for anybody out there in this world who has a dream. Wow, you're firing me up with that, Kofi. I now feel bad about being the wedge driver who's trying to break up the New Day and get a triple threat match out of it. We'll forget that ever happened. I love the word you use, though, responsibility. And I love the videos coming back from your trip to Ghana and the way the fans, I mean, just adored, devoured you. What are those meetings like? What What's coming out of the mouths of the children who are who are, like you said, looking at visual proof that anything's possible it is again it's amazing man it's um it's it's just so inspiring to be able to look at a child in the eyes 
and shake their hand and just see the disbelief that this is actually happening. You know, like I try to imagine how it would feel, uh, how I would have felt as a kid if like Shawn Michaels or, you know, a, a, any WWE superstar would have come to my school and given like an assembly or, you know, like a, a, a speech or something that we had to listen to, I would have lost my mind. Now you think about kids in Ghana who, uh, you know, uh, who, who are seeing someone who looks exactly like them, somebody who was in their exact shoes coming up and shaking their hand as WWE champion. It's mind blowing. And you can see that. Uh, and to me, that's what it's all about to be able to, uh, like I said, just motivate people, man, like, and have like, um, you know, living tangible proof that, that anything is possible. You know, it's one thing to like tell people in theory that you can be whatever you want to be, but it's another thing to say, Hey, you can be what you want to be because somebody that's just like you did it. Somebody who's going through what you went through is, is in this light because they believe in themselves. Now, if you believe in yourself, you can do it too. So, uh, being that like beacon of hope for so many people and not just people in Ghana, but people all over the world that have gone through any kind of struggle, um, I take a lot of pride in being that beacon of hope and that beacon of motivation and inspiration for anybody out there who is looking to accomplish anything. You know, Kofi, something we talked about on the show during that your rise on the road to WrestleMania and something you've mentioned previously when you spoke with Brian on that New York City rooftop was why that this was so important for you. It was not just winning the title, fulfilling a lifelong dream, but representation, showing that someone like you said that looks like you, who had a career like you, who worked for such an extremely long period of time towards this goal, was able to actually achieve it. Has it hit you even harder now that you are WWE champion, that you've held the title already for a significant period of time than you expected it might? Yeah, it, it has definitely hit me hard. It hits me hard every single day because on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, I get daily comments of people who are just so happy that I'm champion, you know, and they give me stories about like how it motivates them to, to go out and try things and go out and do things and go out and be things and be somebody, you know, um, it never, it, it hasn't gotten old yet, man. Like I, I get goosebumps even talking about it. And, um, anytime somebody shares a story with me, a personal story, even at a signing and someone will come up and shake my hand and say, thank you. You know, and I'm just like, wow. Like the, the fact that I can have such an influence over somebody is uh it's heartwarming it's humbling and um it is the goal it is the goal because i feel like you know like you were saying representation is, is very important a lot of times you might not think that you can do something and then you look at the field in which you're trying to you know make strides in and then you don't see anybody that looks like you and all of a sudden now you're starting to think that hey well maybe it's because of the way that i look maybe it's because of the way that i am maybe it's because i've gone through this and this is the reason that i can't do it but then now with me you, you can see somebody, you know, little black kids or little African kids can actually look at the screen and rule that factor out. It's like, oh, you know what? Just because I look a certain way, it doesn't mean that I can't accomplish this because Kofi did it, you know? So that is uh, extremely important, extremely important. And like I said, to, to see that in the physical as opposed to uh, in theory is um, it was definitely one of the goals and one of the reasons why I kept fighting to uh, try and get to this point, you know, uh, it's very easy to get down and, and quit. And the main message that I want to give out to people is that, you know, you, you don't, don't quit because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. You should always be ready. It took me 11 years to get a shot 
at the WWE Championship, not even just to win it, but to get a shot, you know? Um, and luckily I was able to capitalize on that and become WWE Champion. But if I had quit, then I wouldn't have been in that position. If I had, you know, uh, not been as motivated to stay in shape, to, you know, uh, to, to, to keep my skill level high, to be innovative, then I wouldn't have been in that position either. So uh, the example that I want to set for everybody is that just to be ready, you know, keep your blade sharp, keep on fighting, do everything you can do in your power to make sure that you achieve your dreams. Don't let the reason that you don't achieve your dreams, don't let it be because of you or a decision that you made, you know, do everything you can possibly do to, uh, to achieve that dream. Well, I'll tell you, your win was really a, an emotional moment. I was walking around the stands during it, and I've been to a handful of WrestleManias, and legitimately, men, women, children, like, hugging each other and crying after you won the championship. It was really a sweet moment, and you got to celebrate it with your kids. And I remember last time we spoke with you, you told us they really don't get to see you wrestle, especially live, that often. How special was that, and what kind of reaction have you gotten from them as well? incredibly special um i always talk about that moment as being like a moment where uh several moments back to back to back where i kept thinking that it was the best moment of my career so like winning the wwe championship best moment of my career then woods and e come in they start smothering me being able to celebrate that moment with the two guys that got me there best moment of my career then being held up you know, by them holding the WWE championship in front of 85,000 people and my family in the front row, best moment of my career. And then all of a sudden my son <laughs> were in the ring with me celebrating best moment of my career. Then my son grabs a t-shirt he goes up to the second rope and he's holding it up and he's displaying it, letting everybody see the new shirt. And he takes it and throws it into the, into the front row, best moment of my career. You know what I mean? So it just kept getting better and better and better and better. Um, it's just, uh, it, it is awesome, man. And, and they, um, like you were saying, man, like I told you before, they don't get to see me on TV. So, um, you know, we don't really watch TV in the house. So when they get to see me live, it's something special. And to be a part of that moment in such a great way, in such a great capacity was unreal for me, for them, uh, for me and knowing how it would affect them, you know, and, and, and my hope is that, they realize that, um, again, anything is possible if you work hard. All the sacrifices that I've made, all the times that I haven't been home, you know, uh, the birthdays that I've missed, the uh, Halloweens that I've not been able to go trick-or-treating with them on, um, all that sacrifice was for the moment that they got to experience and share. So it was uh, just incredible on so many levels, and they have definitely caught the, uh, the wrestling bug for sure, as they're trying to book matches with each other on a daily basis now. So now it's a matter of trying to keep them apart. But um, it's it's awesome. It's just crazy uh, that it's all gone down like this. Yeah, Kofi, I wanted to mention your your oldest son, and you you nailed it right there. Not just in the <laughs> ring after the match, but some of the little times I saw him during WrestleMania week or heard you talking about him. Um, I feel like he gets it. I feel like the charisma has been handed yeah. <laughs> down. In fact, Kofi, let me insult you. He may have more charisma than you. He might. He might. He's way more outgoing than I've ever been. Everywhere we go, if we go out to uh, dinner, he's making friends with all the kids in the restaurants, you know. Um, he's definitely very, very outgoing, um, and and he's a ham, you know. He likes to... <laughs> get out there and even like uh so wrestlemania i was uh the, a group of people the crowd would form in front of the hotel and i'd go out there and i'd sign and my wife and sons had gone for a walk 
like down the Brooklyn Bridge, and I was out there signing after coming back from an appearance, and all of a sudden I feel someone hugging my leg. I look down, it's my son. Like, hey, what's going on? Okay, so we go back to the room. He's like, no, 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 let's take pictures. Let's sign with people. So I pick him up, <laughs> and now he's taking pictures with me, and I'm just like, okay, you're getting tired. He's like, no, 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 I want to keep going, you know? So he's, uh, he's definitely a, a, a natural showman, to say the least. But uh, again, whatever it is that he wants to do, I'll fully support. And uh, that is my goal, just to let him know that it's going to take hard work and sacrifice to achieve whatever it is that he wants to achieve. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And the, and the coolest part about your WrestleMania moment was really in tune with what you had said coming in. It's not a race thing, even though some people took that from the storyline. It's not all about being a black champion. You really stood for so many things. I mean, the most touched I was was just seeing the interaction, like I mentioned, with you and your sons. It was incredible. So I, we, we hit the, the cultural sides, the important, the responsibility sides, but I want to ask you about your career in in terms of like the personal legacy you're building. Like you winning the WWE championship in this fashion with this type of let's say reaction from the fans, it, it flipped your what you're going to be known for upside down. Has that hit hit you at all? Has that sunk in yet? Uh it's still it's still sinking in, man. It's still sinking in. Unfortunately, the thing about us as WWE superstars, we don't have a whole lot of time to like sit and uh and think and uh you know uh, reflect i guess on what's happened but every now and then uh, i i do definitely realize like how important it is um and, and like you were saying the fact that so many people were behind me um makes me feel like i've been doing it the right way over the past 11 years uh all the the, the work and sacrifice and um the 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 effort that i put into having great matches it's all been for this, you know, for people to uh, have come on this journey with me and have, have experienced just, you know, uh, like you were saying, man, like to see people in the crowd, like hugging each other and, and, and crying. Like you saw, I, there are people that sent me videos of their kids that were crying and so happy. And then people that sent me videos of, of adult grown men in bars hugging each other and crying. And so um, it's like, I definitely realized kind of how important of a moment it was to be able to touch people in such an emotional way, uh, being able to do what I love to do. It is the ultimate goal. Like that's, that's honestly the ultimate goal, you know? So um, I mean, you're I like a like made said, man. man. You're, you're a made man for life. This, this puts the ultimate stamp on you. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, hopefully we got some still we still got some more work to do, but uh, I feel like we're on the right track for sure. Yeah, and by more work, you mean an eventual triple threat ratch with the New Day when Brian Campbell gets the book one day. That's another topic <laughs> for another day. In, you damn... in a video in a video game, maybe, you know, uh, <laughs> a game of basketball, a game of 21, you know, <laughs> this, this damn wedge driver. We're not we're not very good at basketball. as We found out the hard way a little while ago. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he Brian wants that at the main event of WrestleMania, but what we can talk about is the main event of Super Showdown. You, we have you coming up against Dolph Ziggler, and really, Kofi, this has been a match that, I mean, maybe he's one of your most frequent opponents of your entire career. Is it almost a little strange that you're now fighting him again at this level, and what kind of chemistry do you two have together when you get into the squared circle? Well, I don't think it's strange at all because I know that, uh, you know, so people who've been watching the product for, for almost a decade know that between like 2010 and 2012, Dolph Ziggler and I had matches every week at right. every pay-per-view. <laughs> you know, um, we always joke about like the best of a uh, 500 series that we have, but he's one of, if not my favorite opponents to go up against because of the chemistry that we have. We have a very similar mindset. 
in terms of going out and really trying to steal the show. Um, you know, two guys who were underrated, you know, two guys who didn't really get their due, didn't really get a whole lot of opportunities to compete at the highest level. Um, so, you know, two guys who were smaller and undersized guys in an industry where the, the larger and muscular guys and heavyweight guys are really toted. Um, two guys who have had to fight so hard to get to where we are. So um, it doesn't surprise me that we are going at it again because, um, you know, this is this is what we do, man. Like, we go out and we try to fill the show. So I know that our match will fill the show at Super Showdown 100%. Um, but I'm looking forward to it again, getting in there and mixing it up with Dolph because, again, our chemistry is uh, it's always off the charts. It's always a fun match to because of the way that we're able to captivate the people. So, um, yeah, and, and to see where we've come and how we've developed as superstars over the past 10 years. Um, I, I think uh, Dolph right now, too, is from a character perspective, is doing some of the best stuff that he's done. It's different, emotional, you know, um, and 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 I have to follow that, you know. I have to I have to match that. So uh, it's it's great, man. It, it's a great matchup. Uh, I think that everybody in the, the the WWE universe is going to be blown away by the match that we have. Not to set the bar too high, but uh, you know, I think it's um, I, I do enjoy facing Dolph quite a bit, and uh, I, I'll look forward to doing the doing that again at Super Showdown and kind of doing the show. Kofi, are you motivated when you watch, let's say, for example, NXT TakeOver this past weekend in Bridgeport, when you get guys like a Gargano, guys like an Adam Cole put on another masterpiece? When you're watching that in your own company, do you do you text Dolph and go, we can beat that? <laughs> no, no, man. I think it's the, the mentality that we all take, and it's great to see guys like that, like Gargano, uh, and Adam Cole, like, doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be making a name for themselves. They're supposed to be building their brand. They're supposed to be trying to steal the show. They're supposed to be having matches that are lights out, which is exactly what they're doing. And that, to me, is uh, it's, it's, um, it's encouraging, man. It's, it's heartwarming to see that, you know, these guys are going out there and laying their heart on the line, trying to get to the top, man. Like, that's the same struggle that we all went through to get here. You know, so um, I can't wait till eventually they end up being on the main roster. I still haven't seen the match back that uh, they had at TakeOver, but I heard amazing things about it. And uh, I can't wait to actually watch it back because those guys always put on a clinic. But it's hope that the future is bright, you know. So um, I got a chance to sit down with uh, Gargano and Shawn Michaels on an episode of WWE Now for uh, WrestleMania week. And it was really the first time that I really had a chance to sit down with Gargano and I've known how passionate he has been over the years, but to really sit down with him and like feel that passion, it's exciting to to think that the future is is going to be that bright, you know, to have good competition and people to, you know, make you up your game. Like that's what it's all about. And that's really what the uh, WWE universe deserves. You know, you deserve to have the best matches possible and by people going out, and other WWE superstars challenging other WWE superstars. That's how we get the best matches possible. Competition breeds great products. So I'm looking forward to them uh, coming up on the main roster at some point in time. Yeah, if your goal in that answer, Kofi, was to get me fired up about our Gargano-Kofi uh, feud one day and, and maybe some five, <laughs> five and a half star potential, you succeeded. I'm fired up, brother. All right. Yeah, hey, great. We'll see. One day at a time. Well, uh, let, me, let me get through Super Showdown first, you know? <laughs> but we'll work our way there at one point in time, hopefully. 
Uh, Kofi, fantastic talking to you. I mean, couldn't be more happy. I know everyone's like, this is great. Kofi's the nicest guy ever, but you really are. So we really appreciate getting a chance to talk to you before and after and seeing your success. Really final question here is you've been a champion in WWE before, but never the WWE champion, never like this. Does it actually change your day-to-day life? Do you get out of bed with a little, you know, a little pep in your step, you know, shoulders back, chest out? I mean, you go to the supermarket, maybe putting the strap around the waist just to get a few eyeballs. What I mean, <laughs> does it change anything or is it still the same life? No, well, I think my state of mind is um I- I've always been hungry, you know, and I've always been wanting to be in this role. Uh, as far as walking around butt naked in the in the grocery store with the, nothing but the title, that's that's just not me, you know. But uh, uh, I, I definitely wake up every morning with a little bit more swagger, you know. Being that, you know, when you accomplish your childhood dream, it's a great feeling inside and out, man. Like it, it just, you know, it, it makes you feel good about yourself, but it also at the same time makes me hungrier. Like, what's next? How can I make this title reign the best possible title reign? in the history of title reigns. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to go up against the best competition, have the best matches. You know, um, I'm always thinking about how to make it better. You know, uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely, I, my attitude is always, like, I can't settle. You know, it's never over. There's no finish line where you're just like, okay, I made it, that's it. You know, I, I'm still trying to, like, push the envelope and see how much better I can go and how much higher I can take it, you know, so... That's the goal now is uh, now that we've uh, climbed the mountain of becoming WWE champion, there's another mountain on the top of that mountain. And now it's about being the best possible WWE champion um, that I can be. Love it. So it's always a, uh, yeah, it's always a a good uh, progression. And you can see more of Kofi every Tuesday night, SmackDown Live, 8 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. You might see some wild card drop-ins on Raw as well. And, of course, this Friday in Jeddah, the Super Showdown, Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler for that WWE championship. Kofi, thanks so much, man. Best of luck. Keep keep on rocking in the free world, man. You're, you're, you're changing lives out there. I love it. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> wow, Adam. We've had great interviews on the show for various reasons, for shooty reasons, for fire you up reasons. This is just one of those good dudes with a good story that made me feel really good after interviewing him reasons. I love me some Kofi Kingston. Brett never bangs, Sonny. Uh, Kofi was awesome in that interview. I loved the emotion. And, you know, you spoke to him on top of a New York City rooftop. I was there with you, not doing the interview, but behind the camera. Uh, and that was a great interview. It was emo- That was emotional. That was exciting. It got us pumped up for WrestleMania. But this, man, hearing the, what this title means to this guy, hearing him discuss going back to his native homeland, right? And you talked about before the interview, is this historic? It is historic. He's the first African-born WWE champion ever. He's the second African-American WWE champion ever. It matters for representation. It matters for all the things that Kofi Kingston talked about. And when I say it's emotional, I don't mean that he teared up. He didn't. We didn't. I did at WrestleMania. I didn't hear. But hearing him talk about it with such passion and conviction – He's understanding that the, this moment in his career and in his life, and he's really making the most of it. And it just impressed me the way he spoke about it. And even the answer he gave us about his upcoming match with Dolph Ziggler, and we know why it's happening. Things got rushed. Kevin Owens didn't want to perform in Saudi Arabia. Good for him, by the way. It's a good stance to take. But this feud, had it been given time to marinate, had they 
drawn this out over a month or two months with Dolph Ziggler. It's really good storytelling. The problem is it's just been truncated into three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I loved I loved his answer about Ziggler. I loved everything about this, man. I really love hearing how many people are touched by this. And like I mentioned in there, whether you're touched by the race side of it, whether you're touched by the underdog 11 years in the company side of it, whether you're just touched like I was seeing the joy in his family's face inside the ring in WrestleMania when they let that crossover moment happen. What a great guy. What a great moment. I know I'm the one telling you he doesn't look like a real WWE champion. It's not lost on me. I was hoping he would lose the title last pay-per-view. Now I look back, I take the L. I take the L right there. I was wrong. He should have went to, he should have went to Ghana with the championship. And, and by the way, I'll tell you something else. Tuesday night on SmackDown, I loved his promo in that opening segment. I loved it. Everyone told me SmackDown sucked. Yeah, most of it sucked. That part didn't suck. That was really, that was, that was great stuff. That was the first moment where I said, you know what? Kofi as WWE champion? I'm in. I'm in, brother. The opening of SmackDown was great. I didn't love that they kept referencing the Titantron, like they knew what videos production had backstage. But I did really like the opening. I thought his promo was great. I thought Ziggler's was good. Explaining, Kofi answered him back. That was really well done. And, you know, it made me think maybe it wasn't completely written because I know Dolph is given that, you know, flexibility. I don't know if Kofi is, but I hope it wasn't because if it wasn't, then it shows what these guys can do really when left up to some of their own devices. But I, I did agree. I thought that was great. But Brian, look, breaking the fourth wall. I said, I tweeted yesterday that we were going back to basics on this show. I wanted to do Hero or Zero main event, feel spot, and we're still going to hit the feel spot, and we already did the main event. We're not going to do Hero or Zero. You got a plane to catch. But I got to be honest, there's one other thing from WWE TV this week. It just pissed me off so much, I really want to talk about it. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So coming out of WrestleMania, right, we have been told that what's now the most important thing in WWE or, or one of the most important things is the women's division. We have the Evolution pay-per-view, the women's revolution going on in WWE. And yeah, it's fair to expect it to take a step back after WrestleMania. You really can't get higher than that mountaintop moment, right? But what they have done with the women's division on Raw and SmackDown, really since instituting the wild card rule, it is nonsensical. You basically have Charlotte Flair on Raw, even though she's a SmackDown superstar, getting involved in what looks to be a future triple threat match. For the Raw Women's Championship with Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch, it's pretty obvious they're going that way, right? Then you have Alexa Bliss on Raw in this, what I think is actually a pretty decent storyline with Nikki Cross befriending her. You know, eventually I'm sure she'll turn on her or whatever the case, but taking this weird, crazy girl, becoming her friend, and starting a feud as faces for the Women's Tag Team Championships. So there's some storylines going on here. Then you go to Tuesday night. You have Charlotte Flair now on her regular show inserting herself into a triple threat number one contenders match. And I'm okay with that because she's a champion and she should probably be in there. But one of the other competitors in there is Alexa Bliss, a Raw superstar, not Ember Moon or Sonya Deville or Mandy Rose or Liv Morgan or any of the stacked women's roster on SmackDown. And then you have Alexa Bliss as a heel win the number one contendership on SmackDown to face Bailey at the upcoming pay-per-view. She's a Raw superstar now going for the title. While we already have Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> a Raw superstar, going for the WWE Championship. I don't know who's on what brand anymore, so Adam. It's all stupid. What, it's all... So what the hell is the wild card rule number one? And what the hell kind of booking is it? We're on one Bad show. Booking. You have Alexa Bliss as a face getting dumped into coffee, putting over this gimmick with Nikki Cross. 
And on the other show, you have her as a complete heel and your challenger for Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. How dumb and how stupid and how much lack of continuity do you need to have as a company to think that you can book an entire division this way? Shame on you. Between that, Adam, between Saudi Arabia, and I, I'm serious about this, we really should talk about on this show every week, NXT, AEW, NJPW, latest news, and if something pops us on the main roster, we talk about it. But the days of making Ron SmackDown your must-see as a wrestling fan, the days of leading off every podcast like this with it, I don't know how you justify that anymore. It's Vin, This is going to be looked back upon as an all-time worst creative slide. It's not yep. one bad month. It's not, hey, we're lazy after mania. This is a ditch that is allowing other things to happen, and I have one DM slide to close on this because somebody nailed it, and you don't like this guy. Kentucky Long Rifle, it's Tommy Wrestling at Tommy underscore Takeover. Adam, I like you, him. I, hold on, hold on. I like him just fine. You got him muted. He says, BC. He tweets too much. When SmackDown Live ended yesterday, all I wanted to do was DM you to bury Shane McMahon, bury the 24-7 title, and bury Goldberg without Pyro. But this morning, I could care less about those things because of one man, John freaking Moxley. The wrestling business is cyclical. Promotions rise and fall, but WWE managed to cheat the system. Here's where he gets smart, by the way, Adam. WWE cheated the system by being the only game in town for nearly 20 years. But what has happened the last few months with WWE on the downslope and AEW slash independent wrestling continuing to trend upward, I feel for the first time that there is a foundational crack in the WWE. If Vincent Hunter don't manage the next six months properly, we could be looking at a WWE interest level recession and all the blood money and network money and Fox money won't save them from a long overdue market correction. Wrestling fans are ready to embrace the revolution, but WWE can mitigate their losses if they get their ish together before October. I hope they do. But if they don't, I am ready for the revolution to be televised. Adam, that's one hell of a DM slide. He nailed it. Are we really getting into an interest-level recession? I don't think they're going to put this train back on the tracks before the SmackDown Fox launch. I think Vince don't care. He can't see it. He can't taste Jimmy. <laughs> I don't want anyone. We got issues here, Adam. Uh, so I, I think he's right in many ways. It is There is a confluence of crap that is all hitting WWE simultaneously. They're in a tough competitive period against the NBA Finals. It's very minor, very, very minor. But that is happening. They are getting network pressure because ratings are going down. And their resolutions for it are horrible. The wild card rule, which is terrible. We talked about why it hurts the mid card, the low card, the tag team divisions. It's, it's, and I just explained the women's division what's happening. That's terrible. They institute the 24-7 title, which actually, and I've made this case, I'm not going to do it again, could be great if actually booked well, except it's being booked like a comedy title, and it's absolutely horrible. Simultaneously, they lost one of their biggest stars to their brand new competitor, which is doing things the way that many wrestling fans, at least the most opinionated, opinionated wrestling fans, care and want it to be done. And all of this is happening, and they're promoting a Saudi Arabia show that no one, not their superstars, not their American fans, not anyone who watches the product actually wants and every time they promote one of these saudi arabia shows it drastically affects their booking that's not to say the booking would be good 
if they weren't promoting Super Showdown. It would still be bad because we see what they're already promoting stomping grounds and that that booking is bad too. I just mentioned it with the women. So it's still bad. But it's horrible and it's even worse because they're trying to book for the Saudi Arabia show that, as you said, doesn't really and shouldn't really take place inside of the WWE universe that we should be part of. All of this is happening simultaneously and it's making things as bad as they possibly could be. Thank you, Tommy Wrestling. Um, I felt most validated this week, Adam, when I watched Tyler Breeze put on a show with Dream. And I think back to how many times I have tweeted hashtag free Tyler Breeze. So this week I start a new one. Hashtag free buddy freaking Murphy. Because as you know, as Sasha the dog knows, from the moment we saw him, we thought sex. Please free this man. I'm almost out. You have anything else to say, Adam? Well, well. speaking of that sound drop, EC, we did skip Hero or Zero, but I am going to go back to basics. We have to talk feel spot activation. For you and I, it's the same one. How amazing, truly amazing. We can crap on WWE all we want. How amazing was Firefly Funhouse? Amazing. Ama- next, it, it went to the next level. It's re- they Raise the genius. Let him go. Let him go. Let him do whatever he wants. I mean, going to the 80s fitness love music videos with the uh, Zubaz pants. I mean, everything. The Vince McMahon puppet with the satanic horns. It's amazing. I got to run. I got to catch a plane. For Adam Silverstein, it's your boy BC. Special thanks to Kofi Kingston this week. Adam, field spot activated by the Firefly. You got anything Well, you missed Huskus the Pig. Just as good as amazing. Vince McMahon with the horns. Amazing. That's it. Your boys are out of here. Uh, the interview's over. It's only time to do one thing. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. We out.